This is exactly right. Hi, I'm Erin Welsh. And I'm Erin Almond Updike, and we're the hosts of This Podcast Will Kill You on Exactly Right. We're back with our seventh season, which is bigger and better than ever. Because guess what? We're now a weekly show. This season, we're tackling everything from long COVID to norovirus, from the supplement industry to IVF, and so, so much more. New episodes drop every single Tuesday. Follow This Podcast Will Kill You wherever you get your podcasts. I didn't see you there. I was putting my mic up in kind of a rock and roll. I know, and you're touching it, and it really, like, as if you're, like, touching the face of a lover with both your hands. <laughs> this, like the side. this mic is my lover. I'm going to kiss you. <laughs> can, I, can I kiss you? Can I kiss you? <laughs> I'm just a girl standing in front of a mic, trying to tell my mic that I love it. Um, how's it going? Hey, good. Welcome to everyone to my favorite murder <laughs> mini what do you mean? You just kind of were talking like this oh, a little bit. I realized that I'm talking to everyone. Oh, you got a little self-conscious? Probably. I think, yeah, my normal voice and my, and my like, talky voice are not the same thing. <sighs> yeah, yes. I I find when I listen back to these episodes, mm-hmm. uh, my self-loathing is only <laughs> growing exponentially, and so I have decided to try to stop doing that. Stop Hating yourself or listening? yeah. It's just too much. I don't need to listen to my own recorded voice bullshitting for hours at a time. Well, you're not bullshitting, but I also do think as two people who have a lot of self criticism, yes, and over and over and over, you know, what's the thing? Hyper critical. Yeah, that we don't. We probably both. Even though every time I listen, I'm like. We're fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely, I'm left with a fun feeling at the end, but I do spend a lot of time uh, going. Like last episode of the full episode, mm-hmm. I cleared my throat 15 times in a row, like a person with an p- obsessive compulsive disorder, mm-hmm. so much so that it scared me while I was listening to it. That you have something wrong with your throat or that the, you- Or brain, mm-hmm. like whatever it is, that there's something wrong. Like a tick. Yes, exactly. Like okay. a weird math teacher. And I just, the whole idea of that was, uh, set me off for the week. Let's stop listening. Let's stop recording. <laughs> no. Yeah. Let's definitely stop listening, Karen. So that was actually me projecting onto you because I was like, why are you doing your voice like that? But oh. really, that's me trying to talk about my own self-consciousness. And like noticing things and, tr- and thinking about them too much. Yes. And turning up the x-ray vision. Where it's just like, no, leave it alone. We're not listening anymore. Who gives a shit? I mean, you can give a shit, but but you're wrong. But like a normal... (laughs) About yourself. Give a shit knowing that you are wrong Mm -hmm. and flawed. Mm -hmm. Um, Probably probably more okay than you think. Yeah, and maybe it's just a little bit self-obsessed. And who gives a shit? Is that... I mean it that way. No, we really are, and it's fine. Okay. Should we do LA. this thing? Yeah, let's read some hometown murders. Yeah, we're in LA. This is what you're supposed to be like here. So this is a this is a mini so you guys send us all your hometown murders, which we love to my favorite murder at Gmail. And this is we've started doing mini episodes so we can just read them to you. So that so you good. someday will hear your own back at you. Yeah. Karen, you wanna go first? Sure. Yeah. Okay. 
because I really like this one because the subject line is Kenosha's Bermuda Triangle of Murder. Ooh. Kenosha, Wisconsin. Ooh. I have a friend, my friend Bradford lives somewhere near there or grew up somewhere near there. Didn't even know it was a place. What's that? Didn't even know it was a place. Yeah. Wisconsin. So listen to this. Hi, please. Uh, oh. In parentheses, this thing kicks off with a parenthetical that says, Hi, please call me Nick. If you read aloud, do not use last name, which is a great reminder, Nick, because I would have gone straight into all of your details. Um, I'm new to the podcast. My cousin told me about it, and I'm totally hooked. I live in Wisconsin, and I always felt super weird about being fascinated by Jeffrey Dahmer. Now I know. I'm a murderino. Yay. That's nice. I was raised in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and I was told this story about this awful area in town. Kenosha's Murder Alley is an un- unpaved strip of land running south from 64th Street between 20, 20th and 21st Avenues. Two blocks away, the downtown business district bustles with activity, but res- residents along the alley live with daily apprehension that is more akin to an excursion through the Twilight Zone. There's something strange out there in that alley. Coroner Thomas Dorf told the press in February 1981. Sort of a Bermuda Triangle of murder, I'd say. Holy shit. Um, what seems to be going on is unexplainable. This is all the quote. Oh my God. Lieutenant um, Rudy Blotz, that's the best name I've ever yeah. heard. Rudy Blotz of the Kenosha Police Department was equally direct, branding the alley a jinx or something. The happenings, quote unquote, include a string of seven grisly homicides between 1967 and 1981. Oh my God. They're savagery baffling locals who remark on Kenosha's relative freedom from violent crime. Three of these cases have been solved unrelated to one another. Oh my God. They're all unrelated? Three of them have oh. been unrelated, but the grim geographical coincidence has authorities shaking their heads in confusion. The first alley murder occurred on February 9th, 1967, when 17-year-old Mary Kaldenberg left her home on 64th Street to purchase a bottle of pop from the corner drugstore. Four days later, officers discovered her corpse in the back of a 1948 hearse parked <gasps> at the city auto pound a mile from her house, fully clothed except for her shoes, which were removed and placed near the body. Mm-hmm. Mary had been stabbed 12 times in the neck, chest, forehead, and back. The the case remains unsolved. 11 years later, on January 30th, 1978, Gerald Burnett, 52, was found sprawled in a snowbank near his home at the mouth of the alley. He had been beaten to death with a tire iron, killed in what police described as a robbery. Suspect Stephen Goss has been convicted and imprisoned for the crime. On May 27th, 1979, 80-year-old Herman Bosman was found beaten to death in his burning home on the alley's east side. Authorities speculate that the fire was set to destroy evidence of the murder which remains unsolved at this writing a month later on june 23rd alice alsner age 18 was unearthed in a rose garden adjoining the alley a jury convicted the property owner 23 year old thomas holt of raping the victim and strangling her with her own brassiere Holt was sentenced to die on January 26, 1981. News of a triple murder rocked the neighborhood's fragile peace. Victims Alice Eaton, John Amon, and Raphael Petrucci 
were found dead in Eaton's home adjoining the alley. Her grandson, Robert McRoberts, was arrested and charged with the slaying. Science fiction, mere coincidence, whichever local officers and residents along the alley keep their personal opinions to themselves, agreeing only that, quote, there's something going on out there. Keep up the podcast. Stay sexy. Don't get murdered, Nick. Whoa. I want to see a picture of that. so bad. That's crazy. That's so crazy. And you know it's bad news when the cop in the corner is like, we don't know. It's crazy. It's a mystery. It's don't know. It's the Twilight Zone. Yeah. yeah, that's freaky. Instead of like, we, we're going to take care of this. It's not. It's like, it's explainable. No, nope. yes. they're like, nobody panic. Shit. They're just like, we don't fucking know yeah. what's going on. Yeah. That's. That's a good I love one. that one. That's yeah. that's good. That's good news. What do you got? Thank you for sending that, Nick. Yes, Nick. Well done. Okay, mine is called. I wanted to buy this house until dot 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 <laughs> oh. disclosure quadruple homicide. Oh fuck. Okay, this is from Charlene. Okay. Um, just gonna jump right into it. I first heard of my hometown murder a few years ago when I was house hunting. The town is Gaston, Oregon, no bigger than 600 people, and just on the outskirts of this town is a small community called Laurelwood. This is where the house I was interested in was, and where I later found out a quadruple murder took place. The parents. My parents told me the story, and no, I did not buy the house. <laughs> it was 1977. My parents were in their teenage years. My dad worked at the local gas station where one day dozens of bikers came in to fill up. They were members of the Hells Angels of California. Mm-hmm. I've week- heard of them. <laughs> <laughs> a week or so later, a quadruple murder took place in Laurelwood. The victims were a young mother, Margot Compton, her two six-year-old twin girls, and a family friend, Gary Sessler. Gary Sessler's fiance was the first to happen upon the scene. She found her fiancé still alive, laying on the ground, holding the telephone, gurgling in his own blood. Oh, God. He died shortly after she found him, and she left to go get help. The police arrived, and they found Gary Sisler, Margot Compton, and her twins all dead from gunshot wounds. The twins were wearing matching striped swimsuits and clutching matching teddy bears. Oh, that's horrible. Lying face down. They had each been shot behind the ears. Why? It was later found out that Margot Compton had moved into this small town from the California Bay Area to escape her life of working in a brothel run by the Hell's Angels. She had recently testified against a Hell's Angel member for crimes involving prostitution rings. That's not good. That Hell's Angels member, Otis Buck Garrett, was convicted, and while in jail, he hired a hitman named Robert Bug Eye Bob McClure to find and kill Margot. Bug Eye Bob came for her. Uh, looks like it. If the kills were successful, Bug Eye Bob would be initiated into Hell's Angels. Aww. Do you want to kill two children or do you want to be in Hell's Angels? Um, well, I, I need friends and I love motorcycles. So, yeah, I guess I'll kill two children. Just buy, like, just join the CD of the Month Club. Just grow your beard and listen to ZZ Top, Seriously. you fucking loser. Um... Oops, he was, I just said that about Elsie. I know. Should we even be reading this? I don't think they're as strong these days no, as they no, were no, back. No. I don't think they're um, violent. I'm sorry. Folks. I'm sorry for being rude, Hellsight. Yeah. Um, he was accompanied by a fellow hitman named Benjamin Psycho Silva, who made the trip to Oregon to carry out the murders. Also, the contract was not only to kill Margot, but to make her watch her two girls be oh, shot that's first. Fucked. 
Gary, the family friend, just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. This case went unsolved until 1994, only because Bug Eye Bob, while in prison for who knows what, bragged to fellow inmates of his killings. Eventually, him and Buck were convicted and given four life sentences. Psycho Silva was not charged because he was already in prison on death row for kidnapping, raping, and killing two college kids in the 80s. Oh, and on a side note, I just Googled Psycho Silva, and his murder conviction was reversed in 2005. Whoa. Oh, fuck, we're going to be murdered. Whoa. I can't find any updates after that. What the fuck? Maybe you guys can do some research and follow up on this for a possible my favorite murder theme. No. Could be, duh, he is the killer, but conviction reversed. Yeah. So he's still out there. Let's tell everyone that... Uh, I can't help but say in an Oprah voice, you got off on a technicality and you got off on a technicality. Uh, uh, and that's my favorite hometown murder. Thanks for talking. M is for murder. Charlene. Shit. That's a good one. Ugh. Fucked up, man. Is there anybody that tries to join the Hells Angels named like Responsible Jim? <laughs> <laughs> That's all I could think of. They call him, <laughs> they call him Jim the Nice Guy. <laughs> the Whispering Man. <laughs> Oh, that's oh, the, just fucking... Jim the kind of women <laughs> man. The male feminist. <laughs> Jim the male feminist wants to join our ga- our motorcycle gang. Jim the feminazi Smith <laughs> wants to He'll get in your face about social issues. Yeah, he makes a mean hot dish. Oh, that's rough. I know, man. Um back in the seventies, Hell's Angels were scary. It would be like they would just come to a town and everyone would be ca- I mean, that's what all those no. Charles Bronson movies are about. Yeah. He's like the lone sheriff and then there's just like fifty motorcycle gang members there to raise hell. Yeah, I just don't think they're like that anymore. Well then Mask came out and you saw the softer side with Cher and her boyfriend. Oh, right. Sam Neil. Sam Wow. It's not Sam Neil. That guy's British. I don't know anything about it. I thought Stephen was making a Sam Neill face at me. He was <laughs> um, just enjoying the podcast. <laughs> Sorry, I'll, I'll read it. <laughs> You're good. Should we each do one more? There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder and here's the important note that promo code is all lowercase so go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level that's shopify.com slash murder again don't forget the code is all lowercase goodbye if you're like me you're always looking for a story to dive into whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve the key to getting hooked is the details i need rich visuals and intricate storylines and june's journey has that and more june's journey is a mobile mystery game that follows june parker a daring young woman on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder this is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as june herself 
explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens. And don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out. You never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant? Like perfectly scrambled eggs. Oh my God. Yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient made in cookware. Made in was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Maiden. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of made-in products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made-in, made-in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. This one, yeah, one more. Uh, This one's from Jeannie and the subject line is an all-girls prep school, a seven-foot killer and a loyal dog. Whoa. Girl. Jeannie, you nailed it. Speaking my language. Hi, ladies. First of all, I love you both and I can totally tell your voice is boring. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Good job, Jeannie. (laughs) I know you get a lot of these, so hopefully my subject line caught your interest because this one's a doozy. It did. Good job. I went to an all-girls prep school named the Madeira School for... Uh, school for high school in Virginia. That can't be right. <laughs> Did they teach you uh, how to write? It was everybody majored in redundancy. <laughs> Sorry, uh, we love you. Thank we you. love you. We love you. From the moment I got there, I heard stories about the 14 year old girl who was murdered in the woods. So naturally, I did some research. Mm-hmm. She's a lifelong murderino. First and foremost, the campus is on 376 acres of land. What? With the main campus using about 5% of it. Wow. The unused portion is basically all woods. <gasps> that Here's your movie. We're in. <laughs> this is scene one, right? Yeah. yeah. Fog's rolling in. Yeah. All forest. All girls. Bunch, all girls. And a monster. And yeah. a dog. And then like... Can there be like a strict teacher who in the end turns out to be the one that saves them all? Yes, like a Snape. A yes, Snape, a Snape. But a lady. Totally. You were thinking of a lady Snape? Yeah. Mrs. Snape. <laughs> Snape's girlfriend. <laughs> Anyways, on October 29th, 1973... 
14-year-old Nat- uh, Natalia, her name was Tasha, parentheses, um, Semler was tortured and murdered by 23-year-old John Gilraith in the woods on campus. Oh, no. Tasha, who was a small 5'1", 90-pound girl, was walking from the school's chapel to Aww. lunch, so daytime, but never made it to the dining hall. Oh Later God. that day, her family thought it was strange when she didn't come home from school, and her parents... So it was... You didn't stay there. No. It was like you'd go home. So you'd go to school in the woods and then come home. So it wasn't a boarding school. It was like a... It was just four girls. Yeah. Okay. Later that day, her family thought it was strange. She didn't come home from school. Her parents called the headmistress, her friends, etc. Mrs. Snape. But they didn't panic. They called Mrs. Snape on her red phone on her desk. <laughs> um, but didn't panic since bad things rarely happened in Northern Virginia at the time. Yeah, it was sure. the 70s. As dinner time came and went, mm-hmm. and they started to worry and called the police who didn't think much of it and kind of wrote it off. Run away. Yeah. T- teenager being rebellious. They didn't start investigating until several hours later, and we all know that typically the first few hours that a p- person is missing are the most critical. Duh. The police arrived. That was in the email. Yeah. The police arrived on campus at around 9 p.m. She was missing since before lunch. Oh, Hello. No. Also in the email. They found her bike and backpack near the woods, oh. but it had rained heavily, making it very difficult for dogs to track her scent. So instead of looking any further, they called the search off oh. because that's totally normal. Bye. Idiots. Tasha's parents obviously weren't ready to give up. So the following morning around 6 a.m., Tasha's father went to the campus Jesus. with her go- beloved golden retriever no. Tilly. No, Tilly. Oh, uh, within minutes of arriving, Tilly found Tilly. Tasha's body. Tilly did it. Tilly found her. Tilly, you think Tilly was so scarred from that? Yes. <laughs> Thank I you. Do. A scarred golden retriever. Oh, what is worse? We have to we have to stop recording. Should we no. take a break? <laughs> So awful. Oh no, Tilly. Tasha's body was found beaten, bruised, scraped, and naked from the waist down by her father and dog. No, absolutely. That's it's, this is the awful. two worst people who could find her. Her hands were tied so tightly by blanket scraps that they were black from lack of circulation. Oh my and she God. was tied to a tree. Oh, this is awful. They also found a gag stuffed in her mouth. She had puncture wounds on her back and chest, apparently from a screwdriver. Uh, the wounds along with multiple cuts and bruises on her face, indicated she had been forced to endure prolonged torture. It's horrible. She bled profusely, died from shock, exposure, and fatigue after being outside and tortured for over 10 hours in 30-degree weather. So they would have found her. Um, yes, it looks like it. Yeah. Holy shit. Reports indicated that she had not been raped, but that there were open wounds on her ankles from trying... To escape the ties. She was just 400 feet behind the chapel. Oh, my God. John Gilraith was almost seven feet tall. What the fuck? And 200 pounds. Oh, no. And had been convicted of seven sex-related incidents prior to attacking Tasha. How many does it take? Uh, it sounds like eight. He also previously abducted and molested another 14-year-old girl from Madeira for over two hours. Originally, he was sentenced to over 50 years in prison for this last crime, but was released with a sentence suspended on the condition that he go to a mental institution. Not even a year later, he was given outpatient status. What the, what the fuck? fuck? On the 29th of October, he returned to Madeira to prove that he had suppressed his irresistible impulses to attack girls. After Tasha's murder, John Gilraith was convicted and sentenced to 50 years. Tasha's parents testified. 50? That means he could get out still. 
Nope, because he died in December of 2009. Wow, that's so recent. Um, and she said she's not sure if he died in jail or what, but he's gone. Stay sexy, don't get murdered, and also make sure your pets know your scent just in case. Oh. Okay, bye, Jeannie. Mimi, would you find me? <laughs> she's like, after my naps. She's like, I don't even know where I am half the time. That was oh my God. crazy, bummer, intense, but also awesome and how awful it was. That's a crazy story that we have been, would never have heard. Seven feet. My father's six foot four, uh-huh. and he is a very large man. And 200 pounds is like big. No, I guess not that big, right? For someone seven feet tall, yeah. it's actually, I, he's like a wraith. He's yeah. like a big, skinny monster in yeah. the woods. That's in the so woods. scary. All right. No. You got one? You got a palate cleanser? <laughs> Can you deal with it? No, I have another murder story. That was, yeah. It seems like uh, this theme has really painted us into a corner in terms of... <laughs> Should we change the name of the podcast about rainbows or something? Yes. It's called Rainbow Time with Karen and Georgia. We should start like an after the podcast where we just talk about the best things that have ever happened. That's actually a great idea. We at the end of this we're gonna we're gonna tell each other one thing that made us really happy this week. Okay. Okay, good. All right. Until then I'm gonna cry silently (laughs) away from my microphone. This is just called Hometown Murder by Kelly. Hi, I recently discovered your podcast and needless to say, I'm obsessed. You ladies are my murder soul sisters. I live in Lakewood, Colorado, where I grew up. When I was about six years old, a little boy, you ready for this? Yeah. Here we go. Was brutally raped and murdered in the green belt where we used to spend endless summer days playing, swimming, catching snakes, etc. Jacob McKnight was the same age as me and went to a neighboring elementary school. My brother knew his older brother. They played sports and stuff. Anyways, Jacob was tagging along with his older brother and his friends one day down at the Greenbelt. The story goes, they were giving him a hard time and he was younger. You know the deal. Older brother being a dick and whatnot. They ended up leaving him behind as and took off on their bikes. A man approached Jacob, allegedly this dude, Chin, C-H-I-N-N, and offered to help him get home. He took him to the 7-Eleven on the corner and, according to surveillance videos, bought him a Slurpee before taking him back across the street to the green belt where he raped and stabbed him like a hundred times. He stashed his body under this fallen tree where it was later discovered. A few years after that, the family burned the tree. I remember driving by it and seeing it up in flames with a small crowd gathered around it. A bench was made to memorialize Jacob and was later vandalized. Uh, they never solved the case. It remains cold to this day. Whoa. Anyway, this still haunts me to this day. I have a little boy of my own now, and I can tell you he will never ride his bike alone or with friends until he's like 37. <laughs> oh, I, how fucked up is his brother for yes, the rest of his life? That's the first thing I thought of. Yeah. Is those, the decisions you make as a kid that you should not be having to make. Yeah. Because you shouldn't be out by yourself. No. And it's good that I, it's good that people are helicopter parents now. Yeah. Because when you're out on your own and you're eight and your brother's six, you're going to make the wrong decision. Totally. Always. You don't, I mean, unless you, it's hit home as it was when we got old, like when in the, in later, like in the eighties. And so of like stranger danger, yeah. don't talk to strangers. Like don't, if someone says they know your parent, they don't know your parent. Like yeah. We didn't, they didn't know that before, like what, 85 or something? No. Oh, I mean, like pockets of people knew it, but yeah, yeah. On the whole, it was like, no, just walk around and if people yeah. try to offer you a ride, you know, just play it as it lays. Just and figure out. Adults are authority figures and you need to yes. say yes, sir and yes, ma'am and do what adults tell you to do. That's the one thing I have to say. I'm so grateful that my mom, my mom had two alcoholic parents so, mm-hmm. and she was an only child. Mm-hmm. So she basically raised herself. Wow. And so she was super 
um, from a very early age, made sure my sister and I both understood adults were not authority figures. Yeah. And I did, we didn't have to listen to adults. And if anyone ever made us feel uncomfortable, like she laid the groundwork of all that stuff super early. She was also a psychiatric nurse, yeah. but she had, she like being a person who had to like fend for herself essentially in all of life. Uh, like she experienced always, shit and was like, you don't need to do this. If an if adult ever yells at you or raises their voice, yeah. you leave, you call me, you like that. You don't have to take shit from people, especially adults. Yeah. I, I always liked someone I think wrote recently somewhere on Facebook. I'm sorry. I'm not giving you any credit or I saw this somewhere that someone that a parent says to their kid, um, there is no reason for an adult to ask a child for help. Yes. So if a kid, if a guy comes to ask you to help him find his dog or to help look him for look anything, for something yeah. or he needs, there's chil- children do not get asked for help by adults. No. So don't ever fall for that. Not or if your mom adults. needs you, let me come, let me help you. You know, let me take you to her. I like that we're saying this as if a six year olds are listening to. <laughs> Listen to me. Parents are. Your mommy would never. <laughs> <laughs> Any yeah. So kids get raped all the time. <laughs> oh no. So dark. It's so dark. But I like. Oh. I think of my nephew, and I'm like, he would never be alone. No, he would. No, never. That's, oh, those times are over. It's kind of a beautiful thing. Yeah, those times are over. Where it's like, yeah, people realize there's plenty of very sick people in this world, and you have to like your kids aren't just to be turned loose into the field. But it's so crazy because do you think about like if I saw a six year old walking alone down a street. I would be like, get in the fucking car. Like, you yes. can't be walking alone. But then they're always like, don't get in the car with people. And then they would pull a gun on you because they'd be like, yeah. ma'am, it simply isn't done. And then you go to prison. Did I ever tell you that story of when I was driving in Silver Lake and um, I was driving, it was nighttime along Griffith Park Boulevard, kind of behind Hyperion. Dark. It's dark over there. Dark. Yeah, not a lot of streetlights. And I saw a little kid. He probably was like nine years old running up the street. <gasps> and he, as I was driving, it was kind of slow because it was like, there's a bunch of stop signs. Yeah. Um, he looked into the car and was looking into the car. So I stopped and rolled the window and I go, are you okay? And then he stopped running and goes, oh, yeah, sorry. And then like ran up a driveway. <laughs> but I think he maybe thought it was like his friend's right. mom or I don't know what it was. But there was this four second period of time where I'm like, this child is being pursued and I need to get him into Good this car. Good for you, Karen. Uh, thanks. Thank you very you're much. You're a great person <laughs> and you're beautiful <laughs> and you have a button nose. Look how small this nose is. <laughs> that is a goddamn button. I want oh to sew that on God. that coat. It is. <laughs> it should be on a teddy bear's jacket. It is just. And how do you get past TSA with those sharp cheekbones? How do they let you in, in onto an airplane with those weapons of mass destruction? That's right. We ended. We ended on an up note. We did it. What made you happy this week? Oh, uh, all I think all the. All the messages from people who have had the back and sciatic problems that I had yep. last episode yep. or the episode before, they everyone was so nice and offered so many solutions and were so, it was just like this really nice outpouring of people who were cool. That's very cool. It was very, very, it made me feel like a, I was in a community. You are. People. I am. It's uh, very cool. People who are like genuinely concerned and want to go, yeah. oh, I have a trick for that yeah. or I can solve this for I've you. I've experienced this thing. It sucks. Here's here's a solution. Yeah. Not like, not a bunch of know-it-alls. It was just like, I want you to not feel like shit. Yeah. It was great. 
There was a couple things I read that were contradictory information, oh. though, where I was starting All to get stressed was. out for it. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I was like, don't ice it. Don't heat it. Oh, every single one was, I, I wanted to write down, like, how it was just, but there were doctors and people who were writing in and were like, don't do this, do that. And I said, I listened to them, but... Yeah, there was a lot of contradictory shit. And so I kind of just did all of it. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> I feel better. I get really nervous when I see like when someone writes in like, I'm actually a doctor. I'm actually a lawyer. Yeah, and I'm like, just like, ooh, sorry. Please don't look yeah. over here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't trust doctors and lawyers anymore if you're listening to this shit. <laughs> Why are you filling your head with this absolute crap? We don't want people like you. We want people who are in menial jobs who are bored. Go to your go to your charity events. Go stand around in your tuxedos. Be doctors. We don't want you. Uh, what hap- What's the best thing that happened to you this week, or a good thing? Um, uh, you know what? To be totally honest, there was a thing that happened at work that it was just a tiny moment between me and another writer and I felt bad at how I reacted in the moment. I wish that I'd just been neutral the whole time, but I had like a little, I, someone kind of sassed me and I sassed them back. Someone who's, I consider a good friend and your sasses hurt sometimes. Yeah. I can be super. Uh, yeah. You're you, good at it. You know, well, it, it comes out and it's like, I was raised to sass at DEFCON 5 and most people are barely at like yeah. a point two. No. And our, and our fucking self-esteems are at like a yeah. negative. We're all just these fragile eggs. Go oh, on. So it was a moment that passed and it wasn't that big of a deal. And then when I, but when I woke up the next morning, I was like, I need to say something. I need to do something that I was irresponsible. I felt just bad. And the next night, he apologized <gasps> to all of us in front of everybody. And it was one of the bravest, coolest, most mature, um, like... I, I can't tell you how it went from me going like, oh, I have this bad feeling and maybe I just need to ignore my bad feeling to like, oh, I work with true adults Wait. and fully developed people. So he felt guilty about the incident as well. Yes. And so he and actually apologized. brought it. Didn't, wow. didn't like just set it at the table where it happened. Man, that is vulnerable as fuck. It's vulnerable. It's very strong and it's incredibly mature. And I just, I swear to God, like when we left, we walked out together and I just said that meant the world to me that you like, that was amazing. And I felt terrible and you know, whatever. But it was like, it's that the kind of thing of when you see other people act good, Mm -hmm. then it gives you permission to do the same thing. Definitely. And I feel like that's, that's leadership. Like that's, he did a thing that was such a leadership move that I couldn't, I just respect so much where it's like, it's so hard when you do something, even if he had never said a word about it, no one, none of us would have. It it was not a big deal. It truly wasn't a big deal. It was fully tonal. It it doesn't matter. The thing happened. It matters so much. It's not a neg. There's not like a negative or positive. It's like, uh, what's the word? Yeah. It was neutral, but he then elevated it to this, better point yes we're just to express like yeah i wish i hadn't done that or whatever which i was just i don't know you guys I love, love your that. lives being vulnerable it makes it makes your interactions and your connections with people so much more meaningful and immediately apologize if you think you're in the wrong just do it it will feel so much better like that idea and i'm it's a great irony that i'm the one saying this right now because it's the hardest thing in the world for me but to be able to just drop your story and drop your mm. act and just go Oh, I'm really sorry I did that. Or I'm really, I, you know, like to say what you really feel as opposed to standing behind an argument yeah, that do actually that. doesn't matter. Like 
in 10 years, you would have never remembered the argument, but you remember how awful you felt. Yeah. And it was that kind of like, it wasn't just like an apology. It was like a moment that elevated all of us. Nice. It was beautiful. It's wonderful. I'm happy for you. Thanks. That was kind of private, but I didn't say anybody's <laughs> name. <laughs> yeah. And we don't know what happened. And I know it's a he just because you said him, but. And hey, man, that's his business. You know? Oh, am I wrong? <laughs> am I? Are you wrong? Are, are no. we wrong? You're not. Um, hey, we're not. Hey, thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> we're never wrong. Hey, nope. We're doing it right again. There we go. Yay. Thanks for listening to the mini-sode. Go to my favorite murder all over the internet. Find us. And uh, stay sexy. Don't get murdered. Elvis. You want a mini cookie? Oh. That was a mini meow. That was a no. (laughs) (laughs) No. No, I know. No. I'm good tonight.